Lutheran Talk. This is Alex LeHue, and I'm a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. We believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith, and one of the best ways that we can do this is by reading God's Word and talking about it. Not just reading it on our own, but even reading it separately, then coming together, having conversations about it. We're not going to be able to answer every question, but our theme on this podcast is that we take on uh, some of the tough questions, and we try to address those head-on if we can. Um, and what we're using is a three-year Bible reading plan here at Messiah Lutheran Church, and so today on our show we have with us John Lauren. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, give us some background information on you. Cool. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do this podcast. Um I just graduated college like two months ago, so that's the biggest happening in my life right now. Uh, second biggest, because in three days, I moved to Michigan to pursue a job in youth ministry. Um, I love Jesus, I love kids, and I I have a unique opportunity to, to blend those two passions yeah. into a career. So that's... Um, that's something I'm looking forward to, and that's that's a big thing about me. Like, if if we're ever talking, it's probably a fair bet that I'll talk about one of those two things for most of the time. <laughs> awesome, yeah. So that that's a little bit about me. Cool. All right. Well, uh, when do you move to? Uh... I move on Saturday, so today is Tuesday. Okay. So like four or five days. And where are you going? Did you I'm say going that to already? Paw, Paw, Michigan. Okay. Um, yeah, All right, right very good. southwest of the state. All right, and is that an internship where they could end up calling you? Yeah, it will be. Um, the idea is that I, I serve as an intern for a year, and if everything goes well, um, they'll extend a call, and I'll, I'll stay there for a little bit. For who knows how long. We'll All see right. what We'll see what God does. Very good. Awesome. All right, well, let's jump into uh, our readings, and we'll do a, a quick summary as well. Uh, today we're going to cover the readings from July 4th to July 9th in our three-year Bible reading plan, and that covers Judges chapter 13 through 21. So let's do a quick overview of what's going on here. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what's happening in these chapters? Yeah, um, so basically in this last like half of Judges, um, there's a lot of stuff going on, but the the first main section, Judges 13, I think 16 or 17, um, cover the story of Samson. And everyone knows Samson from Sunday school. Um, he He's a big, strong guy with the really long hair, um, and he he does some, some really cool things. Um, he uh, fights against the Philistines who were oppressing Israel at the time. He, he rules for 20 years, and then he dies. And then uh, Judges 17 through 21 kind of go through this story of Micah um, and how his idolatry led to the downfall of the, the tribe of Benjamin and and everything that, uh, that in, uh, coincides with that. Um, there's a lot of a lot of infighting, and uh, the the tribes of Israel aren't really really doing the right thing. There's a there's a theme that kind of runs along that says, in those days, the Israelites did what they wanted. Right. The, there was no king, so they just did what they wanted, and that's 
kind of the uh, the overarching theme of these last couple chapters is things are just kind of going along towards the end of the book. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for uh, uh, just kind of giving us an overview of, of uh, the ending of the book of Judges. Was there anything in particular that really stood out to you? Yeah. Um, it was it was a really entertaining read. Um, the book of Judges reads like a bunch of short stories that, that are pretty easy to follow. Um, there, there's a lot of crazy stories in the book, but mm-hmm. if, if I didn't know anything about the Bible, um, it would be interesting to read Judges as one of those first couple books. Um, yeah. Not from like a, in an evangelical sense, but like it's easier to follow than trying to read through Romans or right. Revelation or Deuteronomy or something. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a really strong narrative that uh, carries through it, which I which I enjoy reading through. Um, as far as the the content of these chapters, um, there's a lot in the story of Samson. There's a lot to, of stuff to break down. A lot of um, a lot of really cool um, takeaways from from this, um, as far as like idolatry of relationships or mm-hmm. um, listening to the culture, you know, um, trying to yeah. to live for the world rather than living for God and being dedicated to to His promise, um, and then the the last couple chapters that have to do with um, Micah's idols and kind of the uh, fall of the tribe of Benjamin um, has has a lot to do, and it kind of kind of broke my heart as I was reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, just a lot of rebellion and um, just sort of missed priorities, misconstrued priorities right. that lead brother to kill brother there's like this little civil not little like thousands upon thousands of people die in the civil war just because no one is really um caring about each other mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's difficult to read just like man that sucks yeah yeah definitely and i you know um one of the notes i was reading about uh those passages especially at the end um, with, you know, all of, with uh, just uh, defiling the, the woman who was the concubine mm-hmm. of the Levite um, and, uh, and, and how she became, you know, she was the, uh, you know, the victim in the whole thing. Um, and yeah. Actually, she's just kind of stuck in the middle of it, and then uh, she gets yeah. completely taken advantage of and and just used in that way. And uh, it it is really it is really sad. It's heart wrenching to uh, read and mm-hmm. and think about. Um, it also one note that I was reading was saying, you know, these things are these horrors are still happening today, and uh, yeah. and that is true. And I don't know if we always. I mean, I think we we focus in a very momentary way, in a very immediate future kind of way, uh, sometimes in our country, you know, um, we, we think about the, the most recent event uh, that's taking over the country, and then after a while we'll move on to the next issue. I, I think, um, you know, and we don't always realize some of the, the evil that is going on 
uh, around us. Um, and, and, you know, somebody might look at the Bible and say, oh, these are horrible things that have, that have happened. Uh, and I think maybe we yeah. sometimes forget that these kinds of things still happen in our world today as well. Yeah. There's this narrative that society is progressing and evolving and we keep getting better, but the injustices that, that we read about here in these last couple chapters and the yeah. injustices we witness today, are they, they carry the same heart, and that, that heart is our fall, and yeah. it's, it's our fault. Um, so right. until, until our original um, mistake is corrected, we won't ever really evolve past Right. Well, all and, of this and in, I think injustice. the overall the 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 main the key phrase in these last few chapters um, are is the phrase and they did what was right in their own eyes. And earlier you kind of mm-hmm. referenced that um, a little bit by saying, yeah, basically it says everyone did whatever they wanted. Um, I think we yeah. see that very much in our world today. I, and, uh, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sin is still just as prevalent today as it was back then. Um, some might argue that our, our sins are even worse today, but I, I think that, you know, the point is that there is sin in the world, and it's horrible and, and evil, and um, there might be some different avenues for sinning because you know, we have different technologies and different ways of, of living and being, but um, mm-hmm. it's still very much the same uh, types of sin. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, anything else that uh, you want to touch on uh, with with these chapters? Um, I, I thought it was interesting, this last chapter talks about um, wives for the the remaining members of the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah. And um, as I was reading through chapter 20, um, I just thought um, that, in, like, that Israel was only going to have 11 tribes after this. Right. I don't remember learning about that. So I was like, I, I, I had forgotten how this narrative plays out. Um, and they were able... Um, by some some pretty weird means, you know, yes. <laughs> kidnapping. Um, but they they were able to get wives for the the men of Benjamin who were left. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah, it was. But again, I think it falls under this this theme of in those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they wanted. Everyone did as they saw fit. Yeah, exactly. So um, and Still I think, not the best. Right, yeah. Well, and, and I think they even, at some point, uh, Benjamin, you know, even blamed God for, uh, or either Benjamin or the other tribes kind of blamed God for uh, this horror of, of killing them uh, that was mm-hmm. allowed, this, this horror of basically almost wiping them out, and now they didn't have any wives, and they weren't going to be able to live on, which was a very, very, very big deal uh, back in those times, is the yeah. the idea of, of passing on your name and passing on your legacy. I mean, you see this with uh, genealogies in the Old Testament. You see this with... Um, uh, 
you know, like, like Abraham and his descendants and how important it was for him and, and Sarah to have children, you know, and how, um, it's still heartbreaking when, when a woman wants to have, it's always heartbreaking when a woman wants to have a a child biologically and she's not able to do that in those days. Um, there you're in some ways, your honor, your value was sometimes based on, you know, your ability to, to carry on, uh, the family legacy and that kind of thing. And, and people being, having their name remembered was a big deal. And you see that play out in, in just general history as well, but especially for, um, uh, the people in Bible times. I mean, you think about the genealogy of Jesus and how important it was, you know, uh, ancestral history was very important to the Israelite people, um, and and just to people in general in those ancient times, um, and so you know that that was a very severe thing. It's like it was it was so important to that society and their way of living and being that once they got to a certain point of killing ben, the people of Benjamin, they they were saying, whoa, hold on a second here. Uh, there's hardly anybody left, and this is what's going to happen, and we wouldn't wish that on our worst enemy, essentially, is what they uh, seem to be experiencing, that kind of a feeling or sentiment. And uh, mm-hmm. But, of course, they're doing this without God's counsel. Uh, they're doing this totally apart from him. And that's really the, the theme that we see at the end with, with Micah, with the war uh, between the tribes and, and, and Benjamin. And it's actually putting the tribe of Benjamin in a, a very um, uh, unfavorable light. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, and, and this is kind of setting the stage for Saul, King Saul, who comes from the tribe of, of Benjamin, who ends up not being uh, the he he ends up being an unfaithful king. He's the first king mm-hmm. of Israel, but he's not, you know, people don't have that kind of confidence in him. And it puts Judah in a more favorable light um, because the, um, actually the, the concubine that was defiled and, and violated by the men of Benjamin and by the Levite uh, was from the tribe of, of Judah. Um, and so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's kind of this idea of getting justice over uh, the violation against the tribe of Judah in that way. Um, it also kind of, I, I guess I kind of thought of foreshadowing how uh, Judah would, um, how Judah is rising up, and yet at the same time there's this violation and humiliation. Um, and yeah. how Jesus was completely humiliated. Uh, death on the cross was the most humiliating death to experience. And... Um, how his own his own people ended up, you know, rejecting him and killing him, just like with the the concubine that got violated. It was her own people, the people of Israel, that betrayed her, um, and so so it it kind of for me it, it sort of reminded me and it sort of foreshadowed that as well. But it also kind of yeah. set the stage for when uh, kings start coming onto the scene, and King Saul being from the tribe of of Benjamin is not thought of, uh, as a good King. So. Yeah, that's, there's a lot of really interesting stuff, um, that you just said there, especially in regards to Saul. He, um, from a, from a worldly standard, he was the perfect King. Um, right. he, 
he was tall, he was beautiful, he was strong, and for the for the first king of Israel, like when when Israel was looking for their first king, of course they would pick a guy like Saul, um, e- even if he was from this this lesser tribe. He he fit the bill as as a as in regards to appearance. He looked mm-hmm. like a king, right. whereas David, in stark contrast, mm. the the least the least child of the least family mm-hmm. in, in the tribe of Judah, he would not fit the bill. So this, it was kind of a primer almost like, like God is still trying to show the Israelites, like you want a king and you think this guy is going to be the best king for you uh, being Saul, but he's not going to listen to me. He's going to appoint his own prophets. Um, he's, he's not going to be patient and wait for me, um, be a man after my own heart like like david would be right yeah um, and, and, and then oh go ahead yeah, yeah. Uh, i was uh, i was going to get off Saul. so if you want to if you want to talk about this for a second um, <laughs> yeah go ahead. well and with um judah we've talked about in in previous episodes um how judah was one of the smaller tribes but mm-hmm. also was allotted one of the largest areas of land geographically and the, uh, and the allotment of land uh, uh-huh. for the promised land. And actually you see like the tribe of Dan, they're trying to, uh, they're rising up against, against Micah and, uh, his uh-huh. Levite priest. And, uh, because, and they're in that area because they are, because it seems like the, the land that they were actually allotted and given uh, was too difficult for them to take over. It was too difficult for them to conquer, and so they went out looking for an easier uh, group of people to to prey on, uh, so that they could, you know, take over. But it's their own people that they end up, you know, uh, waging war against, so that they can have land that they so, so that they can have more land, and that really is a theme in these last few chapters with the story of Samson, the story of like uh, Micah and the Danites mm-hmm. that uh, battle him and the people uh, in that area. Uh, I think Ephraim. And uh, you also see it at the end with the, the story of this, this seemingly random person, a Levite who's trying to mm-hmm. go and get his, his concubine back for himself. And then there's th- that sparks this whole war with all of Israel against Benjamin. And so it's mm-hmm. all of these situations, all of the unfaithfulness comes from people trying to do things their way rather than doing it the way God commanded them to do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that's very, and, you know, and like we said, the main phrase was people did what was right in their own eyes. And so they're they're mm-hmm. trying to take shortcuts. They're trying to find different ways to, to do things. Samson wants to marry this Philistine woman, even though he was a Nazarite and took took these vows not to do that and and to be set apart and be special and holy. And and uh, we can talk about that in a second. But it's just these three uh, interesting stories that all have the same storyline it's, it starts, the conflict starts by, you know, one person wanting to do things uh, their way. So. Yeah. I heard a pastor once who equated every sin ever committed with idolatry. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been Timothy Keller. Um, sure. And 
the, these couple chapters all in their own way uh, indicate that. Samson was um, idolizing his Philistine wife, and then he was idolizing Delilah. Um, Micah actually built an idol and um, hired a Levite to, right. to preside over <laughs> over this new, I, I don't know, pseudo-religion almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the Danites, they wanted more land. They were idolizing property and, and a home because they, didn't, they felt gypped by the split. Um, one thing that was interesting in this, in the research I was doing, was Dan in the uh, blessing of Jacob, uh, when Jacob was dying and, and blessing all of his sons, there is an analysis that I was reading that um, sort of pointed to the blessing of Dan being that he would be this really hot-headed, um, sort of uh, always confrontational hmm. uh, person, him him and his descendants. Yeah. So that made sense in the context of this story. And even, I think Samson was a member of the tribe of Dan. So so yeah. hot-headed Samson and, and these Danites in Judges 18 um, who were just going, out, going and doing their own thing, killing a whole bunch of people just for land. Um, this, is, this is all about idolatry. It all boils back to, I want something more than I want God, more than I want His direction and guidance in my life. Mm-hmm. And we see where that gets. We we see yeah. that where that gets everybody. It's a really slippery slope mm-hmm. of of sin. Everything mm-hmm. begins with with wanting God, uh, wanting something more than God, and you follow that slippery slope into uh, a almost a genocide, almost an extinction mm-hmm. of the tribe of Benjamin and and this whole civil war mess. Right. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's very true. I would agree with that statement that you know every sin is is, is a sin of idolatry, and um, yeah, you, you're you're idolizing something else. You're you're fearing, loving, and trusting in something else besides God above all things. So um, yeah, I would agree to that, and I I think that's why God uh, often emphasizes, "You shall have no other gods before me," and um, why he was concerned and gave all of these instructions to his people in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, uh, again uh, through Joshua as they were about to enter this land where there are a lot of more temptations for idolatry Mm -hmm. um, with with lots of people uh, being around. And that's why he wanted them to, uh, yeah, take over and and enact God's righteous justice on these other... uh, people groups who were who were doing very wicked things in God's eyes um and so that you know he didn't want his his people to to intermingle and be affected or influenced by that but we see obviously that they didn't obey um he also uh predicts that through the words of Moses and through Joshua as well um we see that in the story of Samson and how Samson was was called a Nazarite and I dug a little bit deep uh, deeper into this, in a Nazarite, uh, we see the idea of a Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter 6, and basically this just means that they took a special vow to abstain from something. So you see a, a few things, and um, Samson 
abstained from cutting his hair. So he had really long hair. That's part of being a Nazarite. And it it doesn't always have to be uh, these particular vows, but it it, it typically has to do with, you know, maybe not cutting your hair, abstaining from like strong drink and uh, staying away from dead uh, bodies, from dead things. And so he violates his Nazarite vows. um, Well, and also not marrying people who are not within uh, your your tribe or or your nation. So he violates this by, you know, wanting to marry a Philistine woman. Uh, he violates this actually by taking the honey out of the uh, the carcass of the lion days later. After uh-huh. he kills the lion, he takes the honey out of it and he gives it to his parents as well without them knowing about it. And that's why it says, you know, um, that's why it mentioned that he gave it to his mother and father, but he didn't tell them about it. And so there's a couple times where mm. he's doing things and he says, and it says he did not tell them about this uh, thing that he did uh, because he's actually breaking his, his vows. Um, and then mm-hmm. he, he, he gets himself into trouble with this, you know, um, he invites, uh, he invites Philistines to his wedding uh, probably because a lot of the Israelites, his own people, didn't want to show up to an 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 inter people group wedding, uh, because that was against um, the commands of the people of Israel as well. Um, and so, yeah, and he was yeah. looking for trouble. Yeah. He uh, <laughs> he's like, I I want a reason to fight with these Philistines. Maybe he was feeling cocky because he had just killed a lion. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. and he, he, he engages in all this, in this riddle and this wager, and then, um, mm-hmm. and actually, the uh, the Philistines kind of influence Samson's wife to get them to tell, to, to entice Samson to, to tell, tell her the answer to the riddle, and then she'll tell them, and so then, mm-hmm. you know, he, they, of course, find out the, the answer to the riddle, and he loses the wager, so he has to go and get all these expensive clothes. And in, and yet, in order to get the the expensive linens and silks and clothes that were a part of the the wager, he actually goes and attacks a Philistine city um, in order to get the supplies. And so, you know, this is still God working um, in the mistakes that people like Samson are making. And yet God is still working to enact his justice uh, on the land and, and on those peoples. You know, you see this at the end of the yeah. story of Samson as well. Um, Samson asked one one last time to receive his strength. And I don't know if he really uh, wanted that strength because he actually, you know, cared about dishing out God's justice like he was supposed to or if he just wanted to get revenge. Um and uh, God grants that to him. So God is still, uh, that's the thing that makes me a little bit more hopeful is, you know, God is still sticking around with these people. He's still enacting his will. Um, he's still um, He's still dealing with the sin of people like Micah. Um, he's, he, you know, he, he's, he's delivering that justice and judgment upon him for having another God um, through the people of Dan. Um, it's not done, and there's still a lot of sin involved because there's 
really sinful and, and evil people that are, you know, they're engaging in all of these, these evil activities. And yet in the midst of all that, God is, is still carrying out his plan. He's still sticking with his people. He's still offering them uh, grace. So Yeah, and that's something that's so wonderful about the story of the Bible and about the story of our lives is that as long as we're involved, we're go- there's going to be sinful people, there's going to be mistakes. So oftentimes we look at the story of the Bible and we're like, these people stink. Like Samson was this hot-headed rage monster. Um, Moses killed people. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, he killed someone. Yeah, he did. Um, and uh, we, we look at all these people and we're like, why are they the role models of faith? Why do we tell our kids the story of Samson or the story of Noah? We leave out the part where he got drunk and naked in front of his kids. <laughs> but, um, like, as long as we're involved, it's not going to be the best story ever. But with God involved, we can still accomplish his goals. We can still uh, share his grace and his mercy um, and, and live in that. Um, and but I like what you said at the end, um, we can still, even if we don't want to, even if we're motivated by maybe um, selfish means, we can still um, work out that justice or that that purpose that God has for us. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, awesome. And um, so we talked about things that stood out to us. We kind of just now talked about things that give us hope, and we always uh, like to focus on that as well. We talked about some things that were concerning and even a little bit confusing for us. Um, I, I think the thing that confused me a little bit at first was um, Samson attacking, like making this wager with all these people to get, you know, these expensive clothes and everything. And then in order to get it, he he goes and attacks a city from those people to, to get what he what he needs to hold his up his end of the deal. Uh, I guess that was more concerning rather than uh, confusing. And, of course, the story at the uh, end uh, in chapter 19 where the the concubine of the Levite is is, is, is raped and uh, taken advantage of. And, and actually the guy who hosts um, the Levite and his concubine offers his own uh, virgin daughter and the concubine to the, to the Benjaminite. Ben Benjaminites mm-hmm. that are wanting to, uh, I think, have relations with the Levite, um, and so he he offers up the mm-hmm. concubine, and she gets sent out, and, and of course taken advantage of, and it it is really disturbing. I think it's it, I, I think it's a little bit easier for me to wrestle with this story because it's so clearly all of uh, the. It's all motivated by by sin and evil from the people versus, I think, sometimes um, what we've been talking about on the show in the last, you know, month or so, the topic of, you know, when God orders the the total destruction of this city over here. And I I think that's a little bit more difficult for people to wrestle with because that's God ordering that to happen here. It's clearly just it is disturbing. And on however it's because it's clearly from uh, a place of, 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 of sin and evil rather than God telling them, oh, this is what you're going to do. Um, and what's really disturbing is actually 
it's a Levite who's uh, cutting up this this woman um, that was supposed to yeah. that was his concubine. First of all, he shouldn't have a concubine, and second of all, he shouldn't be um, violating her or giving her up in that way, um, and then just cutting her up. Uh, this is you know, we're talking kind of graphic here, but I mean, this is what's in the scriptures that he um, sends her limbs out to the different nations to probably try to verify his story and and to show how terrible he's probably um, making it seem like the, the, the tribe of Benjamin is the, are the ones that, that actually did this rather than he himself um, Mm. cutting her up. And he knew how to do this. Unfortunately, this is the most disturbing part. He knew how to do this because he was used to uh, cutting up the limbs of animals uh, in sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, liter- this is really disturbing because it's, it's supposed to be someone who, who is God's servant. And he's using things that he's using knowledge and, uh, and things that he knew about from his life of service to enact you know, terrible sins and uh, to carry out terrible things onto uh, this this woman who uh, gets completely taken advantage of. And so it's just a yeah. complete twist and reversal of um, what his job as a Levite was intended to do. Yeah, he's, he's taking his gift and calling and twisting it right. um, to, to sort of serve his own means. Right. Um, and I wonder what that must have been like getting that um, whatever whatever limb <laughs> in the mail. Oh gosh, um, yeah. Because with it, I I think is the message of Israel. This is what's happening under your own nose. Right. Well, maybe I I want to give the the Levite just the the sh- shreddest of uh, like the smallest bit of benefit of the doubt. Okay. Um, and maybe maybe he's trying to wake everybody up. Yeah. Wake wake yeah. all of Israel up and say say this is what's happening on your front doorstep. Will you will you change your ways? Right. Um and I think unfortunately they go too far out into left field and yeah. just start killing everybody <laughs> um instead of holding a productive conversation or convention mm. tribal meeting um but it is right. yeah the the fate of the concubine is completely avoidable if mm-hmm. um the people had been listening to the ways of of god and you know having uh hospitality for visitors um mm-hmm. as was the tradition at the time right um, yeah but well, I mean, she she guy, totally got shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had hospitality for the Levite. He he clearly didn't for his daughter or the concubine. And and that's what's concerning yeah. is like you know valuing everyone and being hospitable yeah. to all people, which is clearly revealed uh, in Jesus. And, and I'm actually reminded of. Um, well, actually, before I get to that, at the end of chapter 19, it it does say such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel and speak. And, and so, um, 
Yeah, you're right. It did wake the people up, and it was such a severe thing. And and um, I'm not saying that it, it was right, and yet it, yeah. it, it's really those severe uh, and convicting uh, things when we're confronted by the ugliness of our sin, when we're confronted by the just the severity of what's going on around us, that calls us to action. That calls us to repentance. Now, like you said, they took it way too far, and uh, I'm reminded of the words of uh, of Jesus and how Jesus kind of um, more correct or not more correctly how Jesus correctly and faithfully interprets God's law for the Pharisees because. You know, in Leviticus, it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth. And so that's, you know, called the law of retaliation. So Jesus reinterprets that or interprets it the correct way because yeah. they were they were taking the law of retaliation, the religious leaders of Jesus's day and saying, well, uh, this is a means for revenge. I can retaliate and go and, you know, if somebody wrongs me, I can wrong them back. But that's not what that law is saying. What the law is saying is that the punishment should fit the crime. Um, it's saying that, you know, if someone takes your animal, then in order, so your punishment, your consequence should be to give up one of your animals and give that back to the person that, that uh, you wronged. In other words, mm-hmm. it, it, the that law sometimes called the law of retaliation shouldn't be about retaliating it it should be more about okay how how can we make this right it's the raw it's the law of making things right again restoring things to the way they were supposed to be and so jesus actually takes this even further and says you've heard it said in this way and you're interpreting it incorrectly by making it about revenge but i say to you love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Because in doing that, you're actually contributing toward the restoration because you're inviting God uh, into that, and you're saying, God, be a part of this restoration. Uh, deal with this situation by by praying for that person who, who persecutes you and actually showing them love instead of trying to take revenge on them. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be consequences for action. There is. But but um, the point is, these people are are incorrectly interpreting what's okay for them to do, and um, and in Jesus we see how some of the laws that we think are really strict and really harsh, and like Leviticus, are actually designed to help restore things to the way they're supposed to be. Um, so that's kind of something yeah. that I thought about as you were talking about how they took it to how they took the consequences for the action too far. So. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love the Sermon on the Mount and it so perfectly connects right here because Israel, Israel saw the actions of the Danites um, and the actions of, of those who uh, raped and abused the concubine. And um, they said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, Let's go and get it done. Um, and it just, it led to this sort of, uh, again, a slippery slope mm-hmm. um, of like blood feuds and you killed my son, so I have to kill your son. But since you killed my son, now I got to kill the whole, your whole family kind of thing. Right. Um, and it's just, yeah. that, that leaves no room for reconciliation. 
the, mm-hmm. the law of revenge was turned to the law of reconciliation mm-hmm. on that on the Sermon on the Mount. Right. And uh, Paul expands on that in Romans 12, where he says, be kind to your enemies and thereby heap coals on their heads. Like, it'll confuse the heck out of them. Yeah. But it's in this submitting of yourself and, and losing yourself in the love and service of another, even your enemy, that the the perfect grace of God is shown. Because yeah. anyone can love someone who's nice to them. <laughs> it'll, it takes a it takes a true man, a, a true follower of Jesus, to offer your cloak to someone who has just slapped you in the face. All right, yeah, and I, I love that you connect it to Romans 12 and how, you know, Paul talks about, like, if you approach things from a totally different standpoint of, of loving people, when they are unloving to you, that's, that is going to confuse them. It is weird, and a big part of God giving his law and his instructions, um, his warnings to the people of Israel were to prepare them to to not just to to live differently yes to live differently as they were wandering in the wilderness sure but to especially prepare them to live very differently from all of the other nations in the land of uh, of Canaan the promised land and the other people groups that were in there besides the Canaanites um and the whole point of, of all of those laws and instructions were so that they would look and ref- they would look like God. They would reflect God's character and how they lived their lives. And so different laws like the, the year of Jubilee and, and releasing uh, servants who were hired out to you after the seventh year and obeying all these festivals and feasts. Um, making the these sacrifices, having to cleanse yourself, having to, um, uh, you know, be careful how you take vows, having to restore things that you stole. Those were very weird and strange laws, especially for that day and age, because it was all about, in that time, it was all about war. You know, you, you it was all about revenge. You, you, you protected mm-hmm. your people, and if somebody hurt you, you went and hurt them, and you, you did all these things. But within the community of Israel, if somebody wronged you, yeah, there are severe consequences, and yet there are also opportunities for restoration and, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, putting things back to the way they were. If you steal an animal, the law was you got to repay that person even more than uh, what you stole. Um and, and, and yes, there are, you know, severe punishment for even more severe crimes, but if you look closely at the laws, they, they fit, they were appropriate for, uh, what, what the crime was. And so, you know, um, and we, I think reading these, these, uh, you know, this part of the old Testament, we sometimes have to remember that, Hey, you know, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We all deserve his punishment now and forever. Um, and yet, because even despite that, God still allowed these people to, to do what they wanted. He still put a king, you know, to rule over them, even though it wasn't the right king, uh, even though he wanted to be the ruler over them. And uh, that was the way it was supposed to be. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the hopeful thing is that God sticks with, with uh with his people he sticks with us today um he 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 still um 
and he still invite and he actually invites us into his restorative process. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, so let's take a break. We've been talking for a little while. Um, and when we come back from the break, we'll talk about one other thing and then we'll jump into some application. Right. Sounds good. All right, welcome back uh, from our short break. I just want to mention something else that I noticed. One last thing, and I I did. Um, we we talked about some things that we dug a little bit deeper into. I talked about uh, what it meant to be a Nazarite. I know John, you you talked about some things that some extra things that you had looked into. There was something that I noticed at the kind of the beginning in chapter thirteen with the story of Samson. In verse 16 of chapter 13, it says uh, Samson's dad, Manoah, didn't know that it was the angel of the Lord. So the angel of the Lord goes and visits Samson's mom and dad and says, hey, you're going to have a son and he's going to be pretty powerful. Um, And uh, and, you know, and and actually it was uh, he appeared to the wife and then. and then she ends up telling uh, the husband, and and then finally, you know, they they experience, they both see the angel of the Lord together. It also says in, um, or actually, Manoah gets worried that you know they're going to end up dying because they saw the face of God, or they saw God, and mm-hmm. and he's thinking, oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna live. Um, and she says, well, if the Lord wanted to meant to kill us, then he would not have accepted our burnt offering or our grain offering or shown us all these things or announced these things to us. And, you know, there's all this kind of speculation around the phrase, the angel of the Lord. I'm, I'm convinced, and most scholars are, we've mentioned this in the podcast on the, in in the past, that the angel of the Lord is really the pre-incarnate Christ because the word in Hebrew for angel means messenger. And whenever you see that, the messenger of the Lord uh, is not doing angel stuff. It's doing God stuff. Um, he, you know, so he, the angel of the Lord is, is doing things that go a little bit beyond uh, what you might typically see with like an appearance of, you know, maybe a regular angel. Um, and actually, what kind of points to that a little bit is that Manoah, the husband, didn't realize, didn't know that it was the angel of the Lord. So it must not, he must not have looked like an angel. He must have looked like an ordinary human being. It kind of reminds you of the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Um, and yet there's something special about this person that, you know, eventually gets revealed that, yeah, this was the angel of the Lord. And or as they say later, we have seen God. How are we going to live? Mm-hmm. But this point and gives further evidence for this angel of the Lord, this messenger being the word of God, the son, because he is doing what the word of God does, the personal word. It, it comes personally to you and reveals to you the truth reveals to you the direction that God wants to take your life in and uh, 
He, he's revealing God's word to them in a way that they can understand. He, he's meeting them in a personal way, and so much so that Manoah doesn't realize that this, at first, that this is an angel of the Lord. And so that kind of tells me, it seems like this, this angel of the Lord, this, you know, the Son of God, is walking around kind of as a, a human being. Uh, for this mm-hmm. this moment, or at least in the appearance of that, so that they don't even notice it, and, and then all of a sudden it's clear to them, due to him being taken up into heaven, that wow, this was this was God Himself, and uh, so that that's just a, a neat little tidbit that I noticed because it mm-hmm. the Son of God, the Word of God, is always doing the action of revealing things, revealing the truth, making God known in a way that that's accessible to us. And so, and I think you see that with how God still sticks around. He, he gives his prophet, he still gives Israel a king, even though um, he doesn't really think that's what's best for them. And he's, he's all, the God we have is a personal God that always um, um, tries to make himself or, or makes himself accessible to us through ways that we can better understand. So that's yeah. just a little tidbit um, that I thing that I noticed there. Yeah, I mean, uh John makes it very evident in in his in the intro to his gospel mm-hmm. that anywhere anywhere the word of God is spoken, that's where Jesus is. Right. So people make the assumption that uh Jesus ha- Jesus only came uh to earth 2,000 years ago, that was his first job, but no, he's been around since the beginning, right. and um, I, I took a Hebrew class this past semester, okay. and just a, an interesting, uh, probably probably a coincidence, mm-hmm. but the word for king, uh, melech, and the, the word for angel, or in this case messenger, malak, share, mm-hmm. the same, share some of the same root letters, right. so it could be... Um, it's kind of interesting that maybe um, the messenger from the king, in this case, uh, Jesus coming from God um, to to deliver this message. Um, right. Just to probably probably just a coincidence. I'm well, by no means. A I mean, they're scholar, all, all so. <laughs> related. The words are related, and actually, the word for uh, Nazarite, uh, which is what Samson is, it means set apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think yes. about. Um, you know, Jesus was from Nazareth. Uh, he was a he was a Nazarene, and so it's kind of those similar that similar language, which um, can mm-hmm. mean set apart. Um, so yeah, I think you're onto something there, and I think that uh, that's cool. That's interesting. All right, uh, we've talked about yeah. a lot of things. It's a really interesting uh, area of scripture to to look at. Uh, we've ended our time mm-hmm. in Judges, so. Uh, we're we are progressing along through God's word. Um, how do you see this uh, section of scripture having importance to our lives today? That is a good question, and a question we should always ask ourselves when we're reading the Bible, because otherwise the Bible just turns into this textbook, and nobody likes reading textbooks. Um, <laughs> that is that, very true. That's the way I look at it, at least. Yeah. Um, so. When, when I was reading through this the other day, the 
section that stuck out to me the most is also the most familiar to me. It's the Sam, uh, the story of Samson and Delilah, mm-hmm. and this this applies to um, our lives today because we so often live our lives by what we see and what we want. And in this case, Samson wanted Delilah over and above this gift of God that he's been given mm-hmm. over and above his his calling in life. He he wanted this woman. It says uh, uh, in verse four, he fell in love with a woman whose name was Delilah, and um, ultimately, this was his downfall. He he was in a very poisonous relationship, mm-hmm. a, a very one sided relationship from the beginning. But it's because he loved her, and he had he had his priorities messed up in his heart that mm-hmm. he he eventually was defeated. He eventually fell. Um, I found it interesting that one of the punishments given to Samson was that his eyes were removed. Um, and like the, the Philistines plucked out his eyes, but ultimately that might've been a blessing because he could no longer, you know, be ruled by his sight. Hmm. And I'm not saying that we should all go pluck out our (laughs) eyes. Well, Um, Jesus said it, right? (laughs) I'm yeah, just kidding. Jesus it was hyperbole, everyone. It was hyperbole. Okay, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> but it, yeah, in that in that same spirit, um, he he was no longer able to to rule his life based on what he saw mm. and, and saw as important. Um, and so, I think from this we can learn to one not idolize relationships because mm. oftentimes. People are self-serving, self-seeking, and in this case, Delilah is the perfect example of someone who doesn't doesn't really care about their partner. Um, And if smart, if he if he was thinking, if he wasn't just living his life by what he loved, like we so often do, he had built up an idol in his heart. Then maybe he would have been able to. overcome the temptation of Delilah and uh, continue on on mm-hmm. his path of being a Nazarite, you know, continue yeah. living out that calling right. that he had been born with. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I think that, you know, you said don't idolize relationships. And it, it sounds like you're, you're kind of talking about, like, you know, relationship between a man and a woman. Is that correct? Yeah. You're yeah, kind of talking about that. Yeah. Well, and and— I mean, we can idolize, we can turn anything into an idol, even if it's a gift from God. And we talked a lot yeah. about idolatry today. Um, and, and so what you said really struck me because one thing that I struggle with is it's not necessarily a bad thing to go and, you know, call call people up in your life and, and seek their counsel, seek their advice. One thing I struggle with is a lot of time turning to those people in my life and uh, sort of idolizing them because I'm not at all turning to God or, or maybe looking to his word in addition to that. Or maybe sometimes I'm looking for, uh, I, I think a lot of times, you know, maybe I'm calling somebody up or I'm calling several people up or talking to them, and, um, and yet I haven't prayed to God about it at all. Um, and, and so I think for me, that's a, that's a personal struggle of idolatry is that I, I sometimes just placed those relationships, not just, you know, 
the the one with my wife, but also with with friends and 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 mentors too. I can place those mm-hmm. above God at times as as well. Um, and and I I think we see that a little bit and uh, well not a little bit but a lot in this <laughs> section of scripture where, um, you know they're not they're not seeking God's counsel anymore. They're not even they're really in the book of Judges only seeking God's help when there's no help to be found right in front of them. And yeah. I think the the application that I'm seeing from my own life in this book of Judges and the ending of it is seek God's counsel as well. God certainly works through the counsel of other people, through relationship with other people. He's a God of community. Um, and yet, you know, remember that God doesn't want to be, I've heard it said this way, God doesn't want to just be the number one in your life. He wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be your life, you know. And um, yeah. so seek God, seek his counsel, uh, you know, put place him at the center of everything, uh, especially your relationships, because people like Samson didn't do that. His relationships weren't founded or centered on God, and, and that led into a lot of trouble. That can lead us into the same, same trouble as well. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the story oh, of judges, um, the story of judges in a whole is yeah. is just such a tragedy because <laughs> almost every really chapter <laughs> begins with again Israel did what was evil in the sight of God yeah. and and they were captured or overcome or there was a plague or a famine or something. Judges is just a series of unfortunate events for the lives of the Israelites. And I think it all stems back to the fact that they, they asked for judges. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they found the presence of God to be scary, and, and so they built a tabernacle to hide him in. Mm-hmm. They, they thought um, his power was un, like, unwieldy, like we as regular Israelites can't handle it. So we need judges, appoint us leaders mm. who can look over us and, and get in between you, Yahweh, and us. And then yeah. it continues into Samuel, where they ask for another barrier. They ask for a king. And mm. I think in life, if we can try and focus on removing barriers mm. from, from our interactions with God, um, we, can, we can kind of avoid the fate of the Israelites. Yeah. Um, Pastors are important, uh, counselors are important, but we also each need to take hold of our individual faith. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's what that's what Martin Luther was all about. Martin yeah. Luther was about translating the word into the vernacular and and letting the common people finally meet God for the first time. Right. And um, I think. We, we so often get away from that because the presence of God is this scary, hmm. um, far away thing, but, but he, he truly is a personal God, like you said. Hmm. And, and I think that's the big takeaway from the book of Judges as a whole as we finish that to um, do this study and just uh, look forward into what comes next in the, in the Word of God. Yeah. Awesome. Well, John, thanks for uh, talking with me today about the ending of Judges, 
as always on our show, we close with a random question. And my random question for <laughs> you today is this. What mythical creature would improve the world most if it existed? Oh, okay. That is an interesting question. Um, see, a lot of myth- mythical creatures are like super deadly and they like to eat people. Mm-hmm. Um I hear that unicorn horns can uh, cure any disease, <laughs> so that that would be really good. Um, we'd have to conserve them because, you know, people are really good at making animals go extinct. Um, but I think if we could work out some um, renewable plan to use unicorn horn uh, in medicine, we could save a lot of lives. Um, nice. So that that is my answer. <laughs> wow. Uh, this is sounding very uh, Canaanite-esque at the moment. Um, but, um, well, I guess I kind of made that made room for that with that question. Um, that's what happens when you get random questions off the Internet. Uh, I think for yeah. me, <laughs> I think for me, I would, um, I don't know, uh, maybe like, maybe like elves. Um, you know, it, it, depending on the world that, you know, you, you encounter elves in, you know, there's yeah, some... Yeah, what elves are we dealing with? Yeah, what elves are we dealing with? And there's uh, some shows that I've seen where elves are just, um, um, they're just very, uh, you know, they're they're uh, the su- size of humans, you know, kind of like Legolas uh-huh. and Lord of the Rings and all that. But they just have, you know, incredibly amazing skills. And so you can, yes. you know, uh, they're they're just uh, physically more superior, and they have uh, better reflexes and and those kinds of things uh, as opposed to like humans. So um, maybe if there were a lot of elves around, you know, we could have they they could improve, um, they, you know, some of the the uh, infrastructure or even our communities or, or or things like that. Or maybe you have uh, them in athletics and. I don't know. Yeah, we'd have better sports teams. Better sports teams, <laughs> like the U.S. soccer team. I mean, um, yes. <laughs> Gosh, they, maybe, they need help. <laughs> maybe we would stand a, a chance for once. But um, so, anyways, that that's my answer off the top of my head, and that's always fun to to think about weird things <laughs> like that. So, hey, if you are yeah. listening, um, you can email your questions into Grow Up and Talk Podcast at Gmail dot com. John, thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. All right. And we will see you next time. Peace. Peace.